My guest today is a DJ. He's received several awards throughout the years, including National Morning Show DJ of the Year. Please welcome William Ross, AKA Def Jam Blaster. Will, how's it going? All right, man. What's going on? Hey, man. Not much. Not much. Hey, thanks a lot. I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. Appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's get right into it. What do you do? I am a professional DJ. That's the that's the summary. That's the, All right. the overview of everything. It involves quite a few different things, but that's that's the main thing people know me for. So when you say a DJ, can you mm-hmm. no, so before before we get into that, so I just want to say that you've been doing your thing for several decades now, right? You uh, right, right. Have performed and traveled all over the world. You co-hosted in-flight entertainment for Continental. You're featured a DJ in major events all over Texas, Super Bowl, mm-hmm. NBA, everything, you right. name it. You worked with top celebrities. You've been in the 106 and Park and Rap City uh, several times. You've won awards like National Morning Show DJ of the Year, Promotion and DJ of the Year, and Hip Hop Icon Awards, all that. Now, with that, out of your own words, what is a DJ to you? Well, I think, you know, and that that covers a lot of it right there. I think the, (laughs) the, the big, the bulk of the heavy lifting is to put it in hip hop terms to rock the crowd, you know, to be able to entertain a group of people. Whether it's a live audience at one of the TV shows or a coliseum or a concert or just a house party to be able to move the crowd. That's the basic overview with all of those things that you named. That That's what most of those things were all related to in some form or fashion, moving the crowd at an event. Nice. I like that. Moving the crowd. Now, yeah, move, gotta move the crowd. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now, with all that, where was your start? Because, like I said, you've been doing this for decades. When I first met you, mm-hmm. mid to late '90s, you were doing your thing back then. So, and I think you've been DJing since what early '90s? How'd you get your start? Um, about 1984. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I was in school, and basically, what would happen is, if you were into hip hop, it wasn't really on the radio. So in order to be able to hear any of the songs, if you wanted to hear the new Run DMC song, you had to go buy the record. It wasn't going to mm-hmm. be on the radio. So I would get the records and I would get all of them if I could, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. And so I started to get a reputation as the kid that had all the cool songs. And so somebody would be like, hey, man, um, you know, I'm having my 15th birthday party. Can you bring your records over and play your records at my house? You know, I give you a piece of cake, you know, something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I play the records. I love playing music. So it just kind of went from that concept and snowballed from there. Because, you know, I didn't have any equipment. It was just a stack of records. So I would just take them, play them on their record player, their parents' record player, and then go home. And so over time... I might add one piece of equipment like, oh, let me get my own special turntable. A lot of the stereo systems back then, it would be all one piece. Have a record player, cassette decks, AM, FM tuner, and it's just one big piece of plastic. You know, they were not separate pieces. (laughs) So eventually I was like, oh, let me get a separate turntable. I think that's how the real DJs do it. They use a separate turntable and a separate mixer and 
slowly over time would, would start to put together the equipment and started to embrace the concept of being a DJ. I never wanted to go to parties or do all of that stuff initially. I was really even getting the equipment just for myself. Like, oh, this is just a better quality turntable than what I had. But I see that's what the professionals use, so I get it. So it took quite a while for me to really embrace it and say, yeah, I'm going to go be a DJ. But that's kind of how it started, collecting the records first. Okay. And with you knowing the products that you had to buy, did you, how did that go about? Was that someone kind of getting you under their wing and telling you what to do? Or is it you just seeing other DJs out there? Well, how did that work out? There would be bits and pieces that you would hear a rumor from somebody, not even a rumor, mm. but just pieces of information. I literally remember the day that somebody said, oh, the DJs use this device called a crossfader. And I was like, what do you mean crossfader? You know, he had to explain it to me. Had a buddy that lived out in Missouri City where I lived. He was from New York and his older brother still lived in New York. So he'd go back and forth during the summer. He'd bring back the tapes and all of that, but he'd bring back information. Mm. And so me, I was getting information from him and bits and pieces from other places. There might be somebody else who went to a party at the skating rink and saw what the DJs there were using. And then they'd come back and say, oh, man, they got two turntables. You know, it would be just, everything is so taken for granted. Now we were just finding out one piece a year or maybe every six months. We find out something new like, oh, no, it's got to be this kind of a turntable. It can't be a belt drive. It's got to be a direct drive. You know, I mean. Mm. So it would just be coming from all directions, but we would just slowly put the pieces together and, and get a little bit better, you know, okay, a little bit nicer. This is okay. Now we got to do this, do that. Try to find one of these. It's it right. just a slowly assembled puzzle for me. Nice. Okay. Now you mentioned your friend's cousin who lived in New York and would come down. Now, did you have any influences from, let's say, New York or other places, other DJs that you might not have known personally, but just just their music and just what they've done that just kind of influenced you and influenced your road to where you are? Well, it would start with the DJs that were on the radio in Houston. So again, I'm in okay. the city. We're in right. the suburbs. Right. So. There might have been clubs and stuff, the radio station. Everything was in the city proper. I wasn't there. So right. it would just be what I heard on the radio. Got and it. the DJs, R.P. Cola, Chili Bill Smith, mm. uh, those are the main two guys that were on the radio station here. So I'd hear them. Then we had college radio, KTSU, Texas Southern University, had a show called Kids Jam. Now that every Saturday morning they played everything. It was it sounded like they went to the record store, said give us every rap record, and they played all of them. So yeah. there, Lester Surface, Jazzy Red, Walter D, Luscious mm. Heights, Tammy McCall, all of these people were on this radio show. So all of those guys were influential in one way or another to saying, okay, this is cool. And it was my friend who was from New York. He would bring back recordings from the radio shows of Mr. Magic and DJ Red Alert. So I would hear mm. Red Alert, I would hear Marley Mall, and, yeah. and it would be those tapes in addition to hearing the guys on the radio stations here. So all of that stuff right. played an influential role for me. 
Got it. Okay. Now, in the mid-80s, when you starting this, you mentioned Run DMC was one of the tapes you had. What other records did you have back then? Do you remember? It would have just been, yeah, it would have been everything that was hot at the time. When you, okay. Like 1983, 84, still early rap stuff on, as far mm-hmm. as vinyl is concerned. So it's going to be Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC, mm-hmm. UTFO, Houdini, mm-hmm. uh, Fat, Fat Boys. Uh, you oh. know, lots of lots of groups like that were, was the stuff that I would have been collecting. And what would happen is once I would see, oh, okay, Dana Dane, and he's on this red label that says Profile, and this record is jamming. So I'm just going to buy every record that's on Profile. Oh, wow, LL Cool J, he's on this record that says Def Jam. I'm just going to buy mm-hmm. every record I see in the store on Def Jam. You would start to just buy it based on the record labels. So that was my thing. The groups come out. I just go in there and, and just buy based on what label was available. So. That's smart. That's smart. All right. It now, worked out, okay. you know, all right. Yeah, yeah it worked out okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. So now, I believe it was 1992. Is that when you had your first radio gig? That's when I started on the radio. We used to have a yeah. 24-hour rap station in Houston called 1590 Raps, uh, mm-hmm. KYOK. Yeah. And I was recruited to come work there by Jimmy Olsen and DJ Babyface. They were already on the radio at Magic 102, but right. Magic 2 owned the AM station also that they had just switched to 24-hour rap. So they needed a bunch of DJs. Might have had 10 mixers, 10 DJs on staff, and I was one of them. So that was the first time. We would do some live shifts, sometimes overnight. Sometimes you finish a party at 2 and have to make it up there to start a 3 a.m. air shift. But it was a lot of fun, and, and that was the first time I got on the radio officially. I had had mixes played on the radio in the 80s under Hurricane Dave. They would do a contest like, all right, DJ, send in your mix, and mm-hmm. if we like it, you know, we'll play it. So I had a couple of those that got played, but I didn't count that. You know, It wasn't <laughs> until I was really part of it and, and going up there and doing it. So started on the 1590 raps, and from there... They would kind of recruit who was ready for primetime, literally, to go to Magic 102 and mix on that station. So myself and DJ Aggravated were recruited from 1590 to go primetime at Magic 102. And then we just did both stations. You know, so. Nice. So do you remember that feeling when you got that call for 1590 raps? Yeah, it was actually not a call, but somebody, uh, Jimmy Olsen, I believe, showed up at a party I was DJing and I wish I could remember the name of this place downtown, but you know, doing like a little probably college party uh, type thing. And, you know, he was like, man, you know, you really got this place rocking, you know, we're doing this new station. You should check us out. I think he put me in touch with the air personality named long John. And he was like, yeah, you know, give, give us a holler, man. And let's talk. And so it kind of went from there. He heard me live. So the audition was done, you know, <laughs> yep, yep. That's but great. yeah, it was a it was a very cool feeling. I think the parties were a little cooler initially because I was like, man, you can't get much better than this in front of a packed house, killing. Mm-hmm. But radio <laughs> was a great feeling as well. You know, once once you yeah. got in there, you you kind of say, okay, yeah, this is a uh, this is something special too. They both have their place, so yeah, yeah, it was really cool, very cool feeling. So then when you went to Magic 102, you had to change up what you're playing, I guessing at the time, because before that, you seemed like you were playing more rap. Well, the music director at the time was a smoking Tony uh, Richards, 
And he told me in Aggravated, we brought you guys here because you already know what to do. Do the same thing you're doing in the streets, uh-huh. on the radio. Just keep it clean. Got that, it. Was it. Okay. that was the extent. Uh-huh. There was no playlist. He was basically like, I trust you guys' judgment. You know, we got you because you're hot. Just do the same thing here. We want those people listening to us, those people that listen to y'all at the parties. We want to get them to listen to this radio station. So same thing. Just play all clean versions. And that was it. Man, that's great. I wish more corporations would be yeah. like that. They, you know what you're doing. You well, go yeah. ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah, we, we were very fortunate to have been in radio during that era before it turned into something where, yeah, we're going to tell you what to play. Pick from these right. 10 songs. And go. We, we didn't have to do that in the early days. So, Right. You know, right. In that, during that time, you could go to different cities and hear a difference. Just mm. just even in Texas, you could go from Houston to Dallas and you turn on the right. radio in Dallas. Like, oh, this sounds way different from Houston. <laughs> you know, that was the beauty of uh, radio back then. Each city kind of had its own personality and sound based on the people that lived there and what they liked. So, right. you know, whereas now you could probably go from Houston to New York and the radio might sound very similar. So. Right. Right. All right. So Def Jam Blaster. How'd you come up with that name? When did that happen? So. Um, in addition to being a DJ back in that era, the DJ was also the producer. You think Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Eric B and Rakim. The DJ was always very prominent, if not even placed before the MC, Grandmaster Flash right. and the Furious Five. The DJ was always the, the main driving force. So it was no different for me. I made lots of uh, beats and did production for lots of different people. So one of the guys that I would uh, make beats for had the idea to write out a song and in the song kind of breaking down what his name was and what each letter stood for, what my name was and what each letter stood for. So the initials was DJB and he said something like D stands for deaf, J is for jam, B is for blaster. Now how does that sound? And that just kind of stuck. I was like, oh yeah, that's a little better. (laughs) And previous name will never be mentioned again. And it's something I always like to point out at that time, we knew of Def Jam Records, but it wasn't like a phenomenon the way it became later. Def Jam was just a phrase. You know, a Def Jam is a great song. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just a phrase. It could have been fresh jam. It could have been dope jam. You know, it could have been any other adjective. Def was just the, you know, what he chose because it was right. the word J. Since it was the words DJ. He was saying, well, D is for death. But had he not been breaking down what DJ stood for, it could have been anything. So, right. Yeah. So nice. it wasn't taken from the label because the la- that oh, label, yeah. <laughs> they were just as known as any of 20 other rap labels. They weren't that significant for us to be like, oh, we're going to use that name. You know, right. at that time, they weren't. They did become that. Like once LL Cool J started blowing up, they, yeah. they shot up. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Now. You started mid-80s, still going today strong. Like, there's been so many changes in music, in the music industry, in different mm-hmm. genres, even rap itself. How did you adapt to all these changes throughout the years? You know, the main thing is just to try to keep up with what the listeners want. Mm-hmm. It's not very difficult because people will usually tell the DJ what they like. Now, in the early days from 84 up until 
97, 98, 99, it was very easy because whatever I liked, that's what everybody else liked. I didn't have to, I didn't say, well, I think this is jamming. They're going to like it too. So as you get older and the crowds start to change, then you have to pay more attention now. Okay, now let me really try to feel out what do they like. And okay, they asked me for this, so maybe they'll like this other record that's similar to this one that they asked for. So you put a little more thought into it and start talking to other DJs. Hey, man, you just did that big party in Dallas. What's popping up there? You know, what's the hot records up there? So kind of communicating with the other DJs. And it, it always comes down to the listeners. If you're at a party, you got to play with those people in front of you want to hear. Right. You know, can't just be what you like, because if you don't do a good job, you stop working. Right. So, yeah. So you listen to the feedback of the people. They'll tell you what they like and don't like. <laughs> so, so it's not very difficult. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, what do you like right now? You know, I uh, am a little more East Coast influenced, mm -hmm. and I think it's just from coming up through the, the 80s. That was the sound of rap music for so long. Even when we started making records in Houston, if you go find old videos of the original Ghetto Boys lineup, you can find videos of them performing. Not only are they rapping like Run DMC, they have the leather jackets with the black yeah. hats dressed like Run DMC. That was just, that was the influence for such yeah. a long time in, in hip hop. And that always has kind of stayed as my main taste. So if I'm just listening to something, it's going to be 80% will have that kind of a sound to it, still using samples or, you know, the, the little more up-tempo stuff. I listen to everything, because as a DJ, I need to know a little bit about everything. Right. But when it comes to my personal playlist, yeah, it could be, you know, all kind of weird stuff. Yeah. Awesome. yeah all, so. right. all right. So for a DJ, a typical day, what are you doing? Just in general, what are you doing on a typical day? Well, on a day that I'm not working, the main things that I do in between actual gigs is booking other gigs. Okay. So, You've got to have uh, a decent understanding of contracts. Mm -hmm. So I may be writing contracts for a particular client to include the things that they want, to include the things that I need. If it's an out-of-town event, I've got different stipulations for me going out of town than I do if it's something in town. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of it, fielding a lot of questions, answering emails uh, from people with inquiries uh, about their events. That's uh, a bulk of the work is that and then go do the events Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's doing the paperwork, making the connections, handling the financial side of things. And then just other things that would be common to any business like equipment maintenance, you know, doing little stuff like that, making sure I got the music prepared. But, yeah, it's mostly setting up events and then going to the events. So. Right. Now, now going in. Did that kind of surprise you, having to deal with the financial stuff, the contracts, the paperwork, all that? It didn't. No, it didn't surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. In school, it was probably when I got my first contract slash paying gig. And it was from my high school, and I still have the contract. And mm -hmm. the school wrote up like a little two-paragraph agreement, and I probably just took it and added on to it over the years dealt with different artists like oh okay i'm working for this company and they're bringing in whomever 
well, I see the contract. Like, oh, I like this clause. I like that clause. Oh, yeah, All I right. want this too. That, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Let me include that. So it's kind of uh, been that sort of a situation, you know, starting from that one page uh, agreement from high school and enhancing it over the years. It's still not a terribly long agreement, but it covers the client and myself pretty much every kind of scenario that can come up. And, you know, it'd be something like somebody booked me to do an outdoor event and I get there and they don't have a tent. Oh, let me add that to the contract. Uh, must have gotcha. must have adequate shade to protect you. <laughs> you know, it, it would be stuff like that. So uh, it was not a surprise coming uh, from the situation that I first got into. We used to have a business law class it was actually a high school class mm. that I took. So it wasn't a surprise at all. I'm taking the class. You know, one of the teachers comes with an agreement. I said, oh, yeah, I read about this business law. So, OK, yeah. not a surprise at all. This is how you do stuff. Write it all down. Wow, wow business law in high school. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was uh, I went to Willow Ridge. Uh, so anybody mm. who's from Missouri City went to Willow Ridge. Yeah. Probably remembers taking you can either take business law or typing. They had different electives you could take. I remember taking business law. Yeah. Nice. All right. Now, what skills or characteristics would you say are most important to be a successful DJ? I think the first things will go along with the things that I'm doing in between gigs, being able Mm -hmm. to communicate with people, Mm -hmm. make sure you understand what they want, uh, being able to explain to them what I need to give them what they want. Being able to have at least a basic understanding of the written agreements. It's great if you get an attorney to do it. That's probably the the best recommended way. But I was able to write in plain English the things that I was concerned about and do it that way. And the interesting thing to me, I do events for all types of people. And I do many, many, many events for attorneys, well-established attorneys. And I've never had anybody... Act like oh, your contract is messed up, you know. I'm like, oh. but anytime they don't say something, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess it's sound the way it's written. So that would be one of the things to have the awareness to say either you can do it yourself or know that you need to find somebody to do it for you. Public speaking is good when you get to right. the point having to go do the event. There have been times where I've been somewhere and okay, the MC didn't show up. Now I've got a host some event that wasn't just me DJing. I was supposed to be background music. Now I've got to be the MC. That's good to be able to have somebody put a mic in your hand and say, hey, you got to go do this right now. So it's good to uh, be able to work with people, try to be able to uh, work a crowd. DJing is always about the audience, whether it's on the radio or whether they're live in front of you. You've got to be able to read the crowd and, and see what they're responding to and try to cater to that. So, you know, I think those are some important things to to be able to do. And just a general professionalism. People in entertainment, artists are not necessarily known for being punctual and dependable and things like that. But I don't agree with that philosophy. So, you know, I think that is something that you want to be able to do. You want people to be able to depend on you and get repeat work. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Things I think, you know. OK, that makes sense. Now, so have you ever done a gig where you specifically were only playing music that you really did not like at all is it music a genre that just was not you you knew ahead of time you weren't feeling it yes yeah that happens that happens you know, that's a thing that happens and a buddy of mine once told me well you know it wouldn't be work if it was always fun you know mm-hmm. sometimes it just turns into work right. you know you make it 
booked for something and say, oh, okay, I'm not really into death metal, but I can do it. It's a chance. Now, most of the time, I can say, okay, I don't know anything about this kind of music, but I like it. You know, I feed off the energy. Like, man, they're loving it. They're head banging and in the mosh pit. Well, you know, I feed off of that energy. So there have been times where I thought I wouldn't like something and said, okay. And then, but then there's been times being an old school hip hop guy. Sometimes it's a challenge with newer music to try to say, okay, do I really like this? I'll listen to it, and sometimes I can get into it, sometimes I can't. And if I got to go do an event, there's a younger crowd, okay, that's what I got to play. Right. And so those events, I'm not as into it personally as I am for other events. But, you know, it's work. Like I say, it's not going to always be 100%. If you want to be a working DJ, it's not going to be always 100%. I got buddies that are super elitist purist and they I will only DJ <laughs> that have me play nineteen eighty five hip hop from vinyl only. Okay, cool. But you never get booked. You know, you right. get booked one thing a year. So that's not your job. You know, you're just doing it out for the enjoyment, which is cool. But you gotta be able to balance your tastes mm-hmm. with the client. I used to tell people, even differentiating between radio and parties, there's a way you DJ on radio versus the way you DJ for parties. Mm-hmm. In front of you. The people in front of you, you're trying to keep them dancing. Well, there's also you know, a way you DJ if somebody books you for, let's say they call me, say, hey, we want you to do the Def Jam Blaster show. You do your yeah. thing that you want to do, and we're going to watch you. Now that's booking me like an artist. Right. I'm going to go in there and play what I like because that, that's what they're asking me to do. The other thing is, hey, we're booking you to play for a crowd of 30-year-old people who like this kind of music. Okay, then I'm going to play that. You see what I'm saying? There's two different ways to approach it, and a lot of guys don't see it that way. But I tell you, well, if you're working, trying to continue working, you need to be able to see it both ways. I get booked for enough things where they say, Blaster, just do you. Mm -hmm. So that's all the stuff I like. And then I get booked for some things where I'm like, okay, you know, I got lots of friends that are school principals and stuff now. Man, will you do our prom? Cool. Okay, I got to do music for 18-year-old people. That's not going to be the stuff I listen to, but I have no problem with that because I right. understand the difference. And like I say, I get booked for enough stuff where they're like, yeah, you do what you like and we're here to watch you. So, um, you know, those are the things for, for people to understand if you're trying to do it as a career. Right. Okay. And I guess some of those skills and characteristics you mentioned, your communication skills and being punctual, being on time, have caused your friends, like you said, that are principals to want you to come and be DJs for these kids, even though it's not something that you necessarily listen to right now, but they trust you as a DJ. And it makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, they understand um, that I'll, I'll do the research. Yeah. Usually just a tidbit about that for an event like that, I'm going to send a survey to the school and have Mm. a sponsor get with the student body give me your top 30 or 40 songs that you gotta hear tonight and they're gonna tell me what they want and that goes back to what i said earlier you're going with what what do they want to hear i'm gonna bring what they want to hear and then all i gotta do is play it they've already told me what they want i got it so i show up and play it that's smart so what are 18 year olds listening to these days i don't know yet you know, I have uh, what I do is every time an event like that is coming up, then I do a new survey. Yeah. So, oh, gotcha. you know, I, I did something maybe two months ago. OK, that list yeah. is no good anymore. You know, they're right. on to something new now. 
So before I do the next one, it'll be a whole new list, uh, you know, with, with all different stuff. So I don't even yeah. try to act like I know what it is because I'm not 18, you know. So. Right. And they're not listening right. to necessarily stuff that's on the radio. So I don't even try to figure it out. I just, hey, man, what do you like? What do you want to hear? OK, I got you. Cool. So so what do you love about what you do? I think the first thing is I just love music. I love all kinds of music. And so it's not a bad setup to get paid to play music. I mean, just to put it in a very basic framework, I like music. I get paid to play music. That, that's the basics of it. In addition, I like gadgets and electronic stuff. So having the equipment and learning the technology and playing with all the stuff is fun, too. That's extra. But at the end of the day, I think everybody likes music. And that's the main draw for me. I just really like music. And yeah. And get to play it for a living yep and does the technology in this industry change a lot it has but it's just the advance of technology in general yeah. you know to have to play the vinyl records and then it went to cds and then it eventually went to other digital formats where you didn't need a physical item like a cd at all you know mp3s right. and that nature now we use a laptop i still use the turntables sometimes yeah. plug a laptop or sometimes I'll just use a, a special DJ controller device that imitates turntables but in a much smaller footprint mm. uh, so the technology definitely has advanced mm. and up with it and I love it you know any, anything that makes the job more expressive I'm with it because when yeah. I had the final I would have to sit down before an event and go through the four or five crates of records that I could bring and yes. make sure I had the best selection of records because you can only physically bring so much stuff. I don't have to do that anymore. I have everything. Yeah. So appreciate the technology for that. I don't have to sit there and figure out what do I bring? Bring it all, you know? Right. <laughs> Tell me anything. Uh, you know, I need you to do a Kenny Rogers mix. Okay, I got you. you know, <laughs> for the next hour whereas back in the day i don't had to have been like ah, i didn't know so i didn't bring my kenny rogers records you know i didn't right. know it was a request for a, a country mix all of a sudden you know yeah. definitely appreciate the technology i embrace it and i still hold on to the turntables set up oh, nice yeah like i said mm-hmm. to to combine the old with the new yep. so i still hold on to the foundation but mm-hmm. i definitely on top of the latest advances Great. All right. Now, what about on the flip side? What challenges are out there for you in this industry? DJs, you know, with the advance of technology, it's a double-edged sword, mm. and it applies to everything. It made it easier for me to not have to carry three, 400 pounds worth of records, but it also made it easier for everybody to say they're a DJ. All you got to do now is get a nice laptop, and you can say you're a DJ. Yeah. It doesn't reach all the way to the top necessarily and i know that may sound arrogant but people that are established and have been in the industry for a long time it affects us but not as bad as may affect newer starting people because those guys that are just starting off they might have to do parties for free because there's 20 people starting off who are willing to do it for free to get their foot in the door so luckily people like myself and, and a lot of the other djs from my era can work based on reputation we don't have to compete with a guy that's willing to do it for a hundred dollars. You know, we don't have to do that, but that's the effect 
the technology can have. Those are challenges that can come in the industry. But I think that's in any industry. Somebody can be underbid. It's not necessarily the same product, but there have been times where somebody hired me and I was like, man, you paid me a lot of money. You did not need a DJ for this, you know, mm-hmm. but they just want to be able to say, well, I had Def Jam Blaster there right. like, man, in a corner. Nobody can see me. You told me turn the music all the way down. Yeah. You yeah. Speaker, you know, and a mixtape. You didn't right. need it. That's where your hundred dollar DJ needs to go. So. <laughs> but, uh, so the, you know, those would be some of the challenges, I think, with the, the market becoming flooded due to the technology making it easily accessible. But it's OK for me. Like right. I said, I, I, still, I still appreciate the advances because they help me. So right. if, if there's 50 new DJs in the market, well, you know, I've already kind of paid those dues where they're starting off. And I help a lot of the guys out. They'll call and ask me nice. questions. I'll buy this, get that, buy this. So I'm not mad at them. I would say that would be a challenge to the industry in general. It's just oversaturated. Everybody's a DJ now. Right. Yeah. All right. Do you have a most memorable moment? You know, one of the stories that I like to tell was DJing a party with Dougie Fresh. And it was the first time he and I together. So I'm the DJ. He's the MC. He's the MC of the party. He's not there to perform his songs. He's there to MC for the whole night. So when I get to the part where I'm doing my old school mix, I'm doing the, the stuff that I normally do. And this is in the days of vinyl still. So I got what I got with me, you know, and that's it. So there's some of his records are, are in the mix. Some, you know, LL, Run DMC, you know, whoever's normally in, in that little segment is in there. And so I'm playing the show with him and Slick Rick. And, you yes. know, so he's saying a couple of lines along with it and he's getting the crowd going, right? So he's got his hand on the fader so he could turn it off every now and then to get the crowd response. He'll blah, 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 blah. He'll turn it down, let them respond, turn the music back up. So he's doing that, right? So he's doing that. Then he goes one time and turns the music off and he starts beatboxing. And I'm still like, okay, he's about to turn it back on. But then I recognize the pattern like, oh, he's beatboxing Lottie Dottie. Wow, this is cool. Everybody's <laughs> starting to freak out. Then it sets in on, well, wait a minute. He's still going. He's beatboxing Lottie Dottie. That means I have to rap Lottie Dottie with Dougie Fresh beatboxing. <laughs> and then I kind of had an out-of-body experience. Like, I'm about to perform Lottie Dottie with, with Dougie Fresh. This is crazy. Oh. Uh, it took a few seconds for me to realize that that's what was happening and then to, to go along with it. And I was so excited that I think I messed up a couple of lines every night. Nothing major, <laughs> but that's a song me and Aggravate would do that song at parties a million times. So I know it forwards and backwards in my sleep, or whatever. But all of a sudden, having to perform it live with Dougie Fresh in a room with, you know, seven or 800 people was just kind of bananas. And that was just such a pure hip hop moment that I always think of that one first. There's many, many others. There was a. Um, when 106 The Park came to Houston to, yeah. to do a show in Houston and we were in maybe Jones Hall or something like five or 6,000 people. It was bananas. And being the DJ for that, yeah. you know, in front of that kind of a crowd was uh, phenomenal. So moments like, you know, though, those those are, are two of the top moments just right off the top of my head. Nice. Uh, the Doug, man, that's a Doug great. Fresh, that one, I, I recorded that party. So oh, man, that nice. Ex- 
audio is available out there somewhere, oh. maybe on my SoundCloud page or something like that, but it's out there. I need to check that out. Okay. All right. So let me ask you this. So we're at the end of the interview, but I want to ask you, for people that are getting into the business, the industry, what items, what general items, physical equipments would you say they need to have? Well, I would encourage everybody to obviously go digital at this point. That way you can have all the music that's available. You can, you can have it. So you need a solid laptop with good specifications. And that's going to depend on which software you want to run. But they're all pretty similar. You're going to get a good laptop with a good professional level DJ software. You're going to want to get a MIDI controller or maybe CDJs. I prefer a MIDI controller because they can be smaller. They're all in one units that carry out the same functions of CDJs or even the old turntables like I have. Um, If you're going to be a mobile DJ, you need to invest in some good speakers. I've done many events with other DJs where they had economical speakers and you could tell they either can't get the volume, they sound bad, or they just turn off during the party. They overheat and turn off. So you want to invest in some good, high quality speakers. I always get speakers that I'm like, that's the last thing I got to worry about is the speakers going out. Something else will happen. Speakers will go out. You know, when that happens, party's over. So uh, those are kind of basic things. You don't need a lot of equipment. There's lots of things you can do to enhance those items. You know, if you're going to be a mobile DJ, you may look into having some sort of a sign made for the back of your laptop to kind of self-promote, do a little marketing, things of that nature. You know, maybe you'll have a tent made with your name going across it if you're playing out at festivals and things like that. So there's other like I said, ancillary items, but the main thing is the laptop, MIDI controller, and some high-quality speakers. Okay. All right. So it does take a lot of stuff to get started and be able to do a good job with it. Good to know. All right. Now, I want to ask uh, some quick hitter questions for people to get to know you a little bit better. But before we get there, is there anything additional that you think needs to be added? You know, I think uh, for DJs, I would say think of yourself as an entertainer, as an artist. So come in with a passion for what you're doing, not just thinking of it as work. I've seen a lot of people start after me and quit before me as far as trying to make it as DJs. And I don't know if the passion was there for all of them. Uh, For me, the passion is in the music. So I can channel that passion into the craft and into the business of DJing. So, you know, make sure for any type of entertainment you do, whether it's DJing, acting, singing, make sure you really have the passion for it. And that'll really help a lot. That'll help you get over the, the bumps in the road that are going to come. Yeah. Oh, that's good advice. All right. So first question. Is, All right. <laughs> so what's your favorite sports team? My favorite sports team this is going to put me in the age category. Houston Oilers, man. Okay. Yeah. In order. After yeah. after they Remote. left Houston, I was kind of like, man, Earl Campbell. Yeah, man. After yeah. that, you know, those were my dudes. Those are the, the games I really enjoyed going to as a kid. So that was it for me, man. I'm stuck in the past, man. Yeah. I mean, Earl Campbell. Look, I got a autographed Warren Moon football back here oh, on my. Nice. And I got an Earl Campbell jersey in the room. <laughs> so I was really, really big into the Oilers, man. Yeah, it stinks that he not only left, but also took the name. 
right, know? right, right. Yeah. Yep. I'm a nostalgic right, dude. Yeah. 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 Favorite movie or show? Star Wars. Easy. Oh, yeah. Yep. I got Star Wars stuff all in the room. Here. Yeah, I see. Helmets and lightsabers <laughs> on the wall, and I, you know, I got yeah, really uh, again, you know, stuff from the from the 70s and 80s, man, made a big impact on me. Always loved uh, Star Wars, and Did you like kept the Mandalorian? All of it. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, liked that was it. good. Yeah. I enjoyed it, man. Yeah, looking well forward to the next season, man. Absolutely. Yep. Wait a minute, right, I think favorite. I got my. Uh, I got, oh, I, got my, that too. Uh, got my Mandalorian best oh, man, that's feel nice. over here. It's <laughs> real, it's heavy. I don't know if it's iron or something, but yeah. All right, all right what we got? That's, all right. True fan. Favorite musical artist or group? <laughs> Prince. Nice. And if I went yeah. hip-hop, it would be Run DMC. Okay. Favorite vacation spot? Um, if it's me by myself, I'd say New York. Because okay. I love going up there and kind of getting immersed into the music scene up there, going to the old record stores and just the energy of the city really yeah. resonates on, for the hip hop side of me. Like, yeah, you know, this is this is uh, where it all started. You know? So if it's family, Hawaii. My wife is oh, from yeah. Hawaii. That would be the spot. Yeah. Nice. All right. And last one, favorite food or drink? Man, I like grilled chicken, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing fancy, nothing crazy. Like a simple, all right. Yeah, I like good grilled chicken and vegetables, man. If I could eat that every meal, you know, that, that would be what I would do, man. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't do much, so yeah, just the grilled chicken, man. That's it. Yeah. Well, hey, well, this has been great. Love your stories. You had great advice. Just congrats on all your accomplishments, and thank you for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I enjoyed it, and uh, look forward to another one in the future. All right, cool. Have a good one. You too, man. All right. You can reach Def Jam Blaster at Def Jam Blaster on IG. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be in the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.